in high-value ABM accounts, a month or a quarter can be an eternity. And it's important for sales and marketing to be in absolute lockstep on a regular basis. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to Tuesday Takeover Flip My Funnel Podcast. This is fun part of it where I get to do nothing. And, and Steve, who is running this series, is the one who is doing the heavy lifting. So Steve Bat, who is the ABM strategist for Quarry, has been interviewing people at large enterprises and analysts and, and, and leaders in it. And this time, last, last week, we heard from his interview of Eric Martin, who is the VP running ABM for SAP. He had this phenomenal idea of 300 companies, market of one, fascinating. This week, he's bringing another guest who actually is seeing this at a much larger scale in many, many, many organizations. So Steve, again, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Sangram. It's such a thrill to do this. I'm so fortunate to be able to work with you on these episodes and also to be able to work with the clients and all the other folks we have at Quarry. Quarry is a demand marketing agency that focuses exclusively on large B2B organizations. And as a result, we get to do some amazing work with some amazing people and also get very great opportunities to talk to people like Bob Peterson from Serious Decisions. And we know the Serious Decisions folks very well. And I had the great opportunity to sit down with Bob after B2BMX recently in Scottsdale. And the topic of his presentation there, and that's also the topic of this episode, is, okay, now that we're all doing ABM, does that mean we stop doing demand gen? And Bob's answer is a resounding no. No, it's all about a blended approach. It's all about balancing ABM and demand generation to meet the needs of your organization. And the way you think about it and the way you approach it is going to be different in every organization. So fantastic conversation with Bob Peterson from Serious Decisions. I love that, man. I think with the question around like brand and demand and all the different strategies are super important, more important probably now than ever, Steve. So thanks for doing this. Let's get into it. Please welcome Bob Peterson, Vice President, Principal Analyst, Account-Based Marketing at Serious Decisions, now part of Forrester. Bob, thanks so much for joining the show. Great to be here with you today, Steve. Thanks for the invitation. So we're at B2BMX in Scottsdale. Bob just got off the stage. And I've got to say, sincerely, that was the most nutrient-rich presentation I have seen and been part of in a long time. You covered a lot of really important ground about demand generation, about account-based marketing, the intersection between the two, and a whole lot more. Our challenge over the next 20 or 30 minutes is to try to bring out the best of that in audio form, minus those very informative slides you had. So, Can we just start out by addressing the big question? Now that we are all embracing ABM, does that mean we don't do demand gen anymore? 
Not at all, Steve. And I think that's that's the spirit of what my presentation was about today is to help B2B marketers think about it. Just because ABM's become popular doesn't mean it's, you know, this hard right turn that you take to ABM, abandoning all the good demand gen work that you've done over the past decade or two. Not at all. What I was trying to show today is this construct we call the demand spectrum that helps B2B marketers understand how to map their marketing approach to the company and sales strategy. That's the key. And I think that's what we're, we're trying to help folks understand now. It's, it's not this hard course correction to all ABM all the time, but understanding a, a more appropriate balance, if you will, between traditional demand and ABM. And how do we go about thinking about what is appropriate for our business? I, I know that you said that part of the answer is in the objectives of the business and part are in the capabilities of the business. How do we get started in sussing that out? Yeah, it, it, and that's what, where we started with that demand spectrum idea that, like you said, you really have to start by thinking about what are the overarching corporate goals? How, you know, what are the levers the corporation needs to have pulled? Is it to enter new markets? Is it to increase offerings or grow through acquisition, et cetera? Those are those levers I was talking about. Those then drive the sales go-to-market architecture strategy. Then marketing needs to think about which approaches to ABM or demand need to be deployed that are mapped to those goals. That's the, the, the challenge. We've seen too many times marketers start thinking first about marketing strategy and not thinking about starting with the overarching corporate goals. A lot of companies approach this from a perspective of, look, we want all those things. We want new customers. We want to grow our existing customers. Yes, and I presume there's some guidance there about not biting off more than you can chew in the first place. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's why this demand spectrum idea has been utilized by our clients to make sure if they look, they're looking at the corporate goals and sales go-to-market strategy before they commit as marketers to aligning to those that they assess their capabilities. You just mentioned those capabilities, and that's exactly what we're trying to help clients think through. Now, do they have the, uh, the content, the technology, the resources, and the ability to me measure via the right metrics to be able to effectively support that marketing approach? So I'd rather have them think through those marketing approaches before they say, yes, we're ready to do a large ABM initiative, for example, when in fact, they don't have the right ammunition to support that. You said that insights are the rocket fuel of ABM. Tell us more about that. To be clear, I think insights are what distinguish account-based marketing from more traditional broad-based marketing. And I think a lot of folks in the market talk about insights rather loosely now. I, I think insights are such an important thing to get right. And it's frankly probably the number one pitfall I see when ABM programs go sideways is that companies shortcut insights. I look at insights as those critical clues, those pieces of data the actionable insight that come from the hard work of, of gathering all that data, aggregating it, and turning it into meaningful, relevant activity plans that are based upon what do we need to do to and for each contact within those high-value accounts. That's why insights are so important, but it does take work, Steve, to, to gather the insights. And you outline some different types of insights. Can you take us through you know, what, what's happening? What is account level? What's, what's contact level? Uh, and and what, you know, how, how does one go about scoping out the sorts of insights that they need? Yeah, that's another good question because I, th I think insights can be put into 
several different categories about what their job is. The, the model that we encourage clients to think about is a kind of a, a three-bucket approach to thinking about data and insight for ABM. And it starts with profile data, which is the most rudimentary level of data that most organizations think about. And they start their journey there as they should. And this would be things like technographic information, firmographic information. You know, these accounts reside in this geography. They've got regional offices scattered throughout the world. Those are profile levels of insight. The next level we think about is activity insight. And as the word describes, it's action-based. So this would typically be gathering insights from content that's consumed or first or third-party intent data monitoring or leadership changes within organizations. Those all show that there's some movement, some activity happening within an account or group of accounts. And the third type of, of insight is what we call derived data. And this, as the name implies, is derived from other data sources. Examples of, of derived data and insight would be ideal customer profiling or using predictive analytics to better understand who are those lookalike accounts that we want to pursue because we've been successful in the past. I always like to, to think about those three types of, of insight as being nouns, verbs, and adjectives and adverbs. That sometimes helps companies understand how to, to think about which, what the job is of each of these different types of insight and how to collect them. You also spoke about the need for collaboration. And obviously, account-based marketing requires significantly more collaboration than broad-based demand gen. Tell us more about what the implications of that are. Yeah, it, it, it's the other axes, if you will, when you think about this demand spectrum idea I shared. And I know it's hard to envision it without the slide. But collaboration refers to the way sales and marketers engage and the frequency by which they engage. And in what I shared today at B2BMX is this spectrum type view where, you know, the most basic level of collaboration between sales and marketing might be, you know, sales and marketing get together at the annual corporate kickoff where marketing is allowed to share their corporate plan after sales shares their overarching plan for the year. And the two don't really interact again until next year's sales kickoff. And this progresses to something that we see in large ABM programs where sales and marketing might be meeting on a weekly basis and sharing progress reports and making course corrections based upon a, a signal response type of mechanism. Because you know, in, in high value ABM accounts, a month or a quarter can be an eternity. And it's important for sales and marketing to be in absolute lockstep on a regular basis. You also spoke about customization. And, and I know this can be a, a real issue with ABM. And I think sometimes fear that massive amounts of customization are necessary holds some organizations back. How do you think about the customization needs? Yeah, I think customization is is what a lot of marketers are struggling with now. You know, how do you deliver any level of personalization or customization at scale? That's the, the riddle that account-based marketers and in particular have been trying to solve for some time. I think there's a misnomer that needs to be cleared up here though, Steve, that when you think about putting together a content inventory for any type of demand or account-based marketing in particular, I don't think that always means you have to create completely bespoke content. You can start with assets that you have right now that are produced and on the shelf and timely and relevant to your context. That's entirely possible. Then maybe looking at 
other sets of content that maybe only needs a slight modification to meet the specific needs of, of certain accounts. And then, and only then, thinking about what new content do we need to do because we've got gaps. So I think that's the thing I'd like to help marketers think about. Just because we're talking about customization and personalization, that doesn't mean everything has to be created bespoke. You laid out a spectrum from, at the top right, highly insight-driven, high collaboration with sales and marketing, and high levels of customization. And then at the other end of that spectrum, the opposite. And, and you took pains in your presentation today to stress that it's not a matter of one of these being better than the other. It's not that one must march up and to the right, as I believe a lot of adoption models and maturity models leave people feeling that if they're not high and to the right, then they're failing. You, you took pains to say that's not the case. Tell us more about that. Yeah, it, it's an interesting observation you made. And I've learned that the hard way, frankly, that I think you're right is B2B sales and marketing leaders were wired to think upper right is, is good. But for the demand spectrum model that we put together at Serious Decisions, that's not the intent at all. It's, it's actually, you know, what's right for you is what's right for you. If you're in that lower left where you're supporting what we call focused demand or defined demand, there's nothing wrong with that. It's completely legitimate as a go-to-market approach. It just means you don't have um, a lot of insights and sales and marketing don't have the opportunity or, or need or desire to work together. And you don't have the tech stack or content to be able to, or people to be able to deliver customization. Our goal is to help companies be realistic about what they're able to deliver. And that's what the power of this demand spectrum is, is Yes, we know that the company's goals are this, sales goals are this, and marketing is going to assess itself and say, now, here's what's realistic about what our ability is to deliver. Again, lower left is not bad, upper right is not good. It's just reality about what you're able to support. So is a lot of it really about managing expectations that a marketing leader ought not to find him or herself in a situation where they're being signed up to deliver highly customized, highly collaborative, highly insight-driven one-to-one ABM if the investment of time and money and everything else isn't in place to make that so. So it's, it's not about what is right or wrong. It's about managing expectations. Is that really what we're talking about? That's exactly right, Steve. And I, I can't tell you how many times as an analyst I've seen that where Somebody says, boy, we, I see a lot of the market is doing large ABM to a small number of accounts. We should be doing that. Okay, we'll do that. When in fact, they don't have insight or high degree of collaboration or a content library that's appropriate, at least not yet. That doesn't mean you can't progress. And that's what we're trying to show that if that's your strategy, put together a roadmap so that you pull those levers, that you improve the level of collaboration, that you expand your insights and your ability to deliver customization. That's exactly right. We don't want to have people not even over-representing, just misrepresenting their ability to deliver. You have the opportunity to work with a lot of very successful organizations and to be able to distill those best practices and, and thankfully share them with the rest of us. Are you seeing that the best organizations have this real blended approach where they are purposefully doing broad demand gen and they're doing ABM. And it's not because they haven't moved up the maturity ladder yet. It's because that's where they want to be and that's where they ought to be. 
Yeah, and and that's exactly the point of that demand spectrum is to show that just because ABMs become popular doesn't mean you abandon broad-based demand, that there's a job to do for that level of of marketing support. And the companies that have successfully adopted that understand that they might have multiple different concurrent work streams to support broad-based demand, maybe a named ABM, and maybe even a strategic you know, one-to-one ABM work stream all at the same time. And that's the goal of this, to say there's nothing wrong with that that's completely viable, but understand what the requirements are to be able to support that. So that's what I've been seeing most companies that I work with that are more realistic about it to understand that these things need to happen concurrently to support a, you know, a dynamic sales organization. Ideally, are these activities run by separate teams, separate leadership, separate budgets, or are they managed by the same team? Now, I'm sure that in some small organizations, there's no opportunity but to do it together. But in the larger organizations that you work with, is it a best practice to have an ABM team and a demand gen team as separate entities? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Um, As ABM has become more mature in the marketplace, that's one trend we've noticed, Steve, is that uh, the the idea of an ABM center of excellence or a, a program office is coming to the fold. And we're seeing that change the marketing org chart where the CMO might have, have a permanent placeholder now for ABM. Much like we, we saw marketing operations 10 years ago, you know, that ex- didn't exist as a function in most B2B organizations. It, it wasn't there. And then all of a sudden it appeared as a, a permanent place on the org chart. I can't imagine a modern B2B marketing organization without marketing ops. We see ABM following a, a similar trajectory now. And to answer your question, you know, those larger organizations that have permanent folks that have those responsibilities, that that's all they do is ABM, that's usually what's happening is that ABM and the, the activities are being separate from broader-based demand. But as you suggested, when you move down market, many organizations, maybe mid-market organizations, that may be not as realistic, where have, folks have to wear multiple different hats and somehow manage the ABM work stream, as well as feeding the rest of the non-ABM accounts. There's a a talent shortage in ABM. I mean, it is a relatively new practice, and it's broadly being embraced by the market. And I know there's a lot of organizations that are reorging in support of ABM. They're hiring, they're promoting, they're doing training. What are you seeing in terms of best practices for ABM specialists and ABM leaders, do they tend to come up through that organization or are they ABM experts that are being flown in from a different organization? Or how are your most successful clients bridging that gap, a a shortage of talent in ABM? Well, I'll tell you this, it's a great time to be an account-based marketer, I'll tell you that. Um, Not a week goes by where I'm not hearing from a client about the need to to find these unicorns called account-based marketers. It's a unique skill set. And I think behind your question is that bigger issue about, you know, what really goes into a modern account-based marketer. And I look at the ones that are successful and they have a that unique skill set that includes their ability to be strategic thinkers. You know, they can hold their own in a meeting with grizzled sales veterans. They can think creatively about execution. They, they understand digital marketing and field events like the back of their hand. You know, that's a, that's a skill set that is it's pretty unique. 
But I think we've also seen organizations trying to incorporate those skill sets into the way they structure job descriptions to find account-based marketers. And that's something we produced at Sirius to help our clients do just that. We've got a number of role profiles we've created for an ABM leader, a global ABM leader, as opposed to you know, an account-based marketer. It's something that you can't just pluck anybody out of the marketing ecosystem and say, there, now you're an ABMer. We think that's something that takes some, some nuance and some experience to be able to build up that credibility to be a, a modern account-based marketer. You drew a distinction between marketing to accounts versus account-based marketing. And while some might think that's just semantics, it's not. There's something more there. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, and it's, it's central to this demand spectrum idea that I shared today at B2BMX, Steve. It, it's about addressing the challenge that we've seen with the rise of account-based marketing that a lot of companies look at the definition of ABM and say, okay, wait a minute, that's all about creating a defined universe. So they'll put a ring fence around 200, 500, whatever the number is of accounts and say, there, that's my defined universe for ABM. And then they'll just market to them the way they always have. And you can tell by the way I described that that's not true account-based marketing. There's really nothing account-based in terms of the deliverables that are going out to the contacts within those high-value accounts. The account-based marketing side, as opposed to marketing to accounts, it's fueled by those insights that drive what you do. So I think that's important for organizations to understand. Again, there's nothing wrong with marketing to accounts. It's a totally viable business strategy. It just doesn't meet the rigors of what we talk about when we talk about true account-based marketing. So does that sort of sit in the middle of the spectrum then? Back to our uh, bottom left, top right. If the bottom left is broad-based demand gen and the top right is strategic ABM, is, is marketing to accounts kind of in between there, that there is a defined universe, there is a focus to what we're doing, but there isn't the insight-driven work and there isn't the customization. Yeah. And when we talk about, you know, in the demand spectrum framework, we talk about marketing to accounts as existing in kind of two subsets, you know, defined demand that is pretty close to broad-based demand where maybe you're using persona-based insights to pursue those accounts and focused demand, which is a little bit more granular than that, where organizations are, are implementing a little bit more rigorous segmentation, maybe looking at industries or sub-verticals. So those are the two flavors of marketing to accounts that we look at in, in the uh, uh, demand spectrum construct. Not every organization gets off on the right foot with ABM, or with anything for that matter. What advice do you have for leaders or practitioners who are finding themselves on a bit of a rocky road? What can they do to write their ship? That's something I hear regularly when I'm talking to clients. You know, ABM is not new as a concept. It's been around for quite some time. It's just becoming exceedingly popular nowadays. So most companies that I work with have had an opportunity to dip their toes into the account-based marketing pool, so to speak. But I think where I see companies struggle is maybe they're almost approaching ABM through a lens of a little bit of panic where they realize man, the market data is showing every B2B company is doing ABM. We're not. Therefore, we need to do this last week or last month. We need to really get going soon. Like anything, haste makes waste, I think. You know, sometimes folks go too quickly to try to start deploying ABM and they haven't thought through all the infrastructure pieces. Sometimes I think it goes back to the definition of ABM that some organizations have, that 
maybe they think it's limited just to account-based advertising. We think ABM's bigger than that, and it, it, it requires a more strategic pivot, right, where sales and marketing are focusing more collaborative effort on the accounts that matter most. So we encourage our clients to maybe take a breath and think more holistically about what ABM really is, that it's, it's not a one-off campaign, it's not just a technology, that it's a strategy. It's a strategy that, like any B2B business strategy, it requires some documentation, some thinking. We encourage clients to start by creating a, a formal charter about what ABM means in their organization, what business problem it's designed to solve for, what's in scope, what's out of scope, etc. That's one thing. The other thing we encourage clients to do is think about all the different process steps that need to be part of a durable, successful, sustainable ABM program. There's a, a piece of research we created about a year ago, Steve, at, at Serious Decisions that clients have found really helpful. And it's an ABM implementation timeframe where we as an ABM analyst team more or less locked ourselves up for a month or two and said, if we were starting a new ABM program at a hypothetical company, what are all the different things that we've seen? You know, when we look at the hundreds, if not thousands of ABM programs we've worked with at Sirius, which ones have been successful? Where have companies fallen off the track? What would we do from a perfect world? And that, that roadmap has really helped clients kind of level set, maybe take a pause and say, maybe we went at this a little too quickly and we need to look deeper at the, the infrastructure supporting our ABM program. Some have said that we're heading towards a time where we won't even bother talking about ABM because all B2B marketing and sales will be account-centric. It will be account-based. That this is just a step on the road. And, and we'll look back and say, yeah, remember when we talk, we used to talk a lot about account-based marketing and now we don't because it's just, just intrinsic to what we do. Do you think that's the case? Or, or do you think this is going to, you mentioned marketing automation. Well, marketing automation is a practice area. It is a career. It is a tool set. It hasn't just been absorbed into is, is ABM, in your opinion, going to be a thing in five or 10 years, or will everything be account-based? Yeah, at, at our summit last year, last May in Austin, um, I did a presentation on future vision for account-based marketing, and that was one of the provocative statements that we let off with, that you know, ABM in the future, not too distant future, may not, in fact, exist, that it will just become the de facto go-to-market approach for B2B organizations as we leverage more technology, AI, different things that help us achieve more scale. I think that's entirely likely that account-based marketing just becomes part of more effective strategic marketing for B2B organizations. I think that's entirely likely. So if I could sum up, we are most likely in most organizations going to want a blended approach incorporating some broad-based demand gen as well as some account-based marketing. And we really need to get clarity on the needs of the business, the capabilities of the business, and manage everybody's understanding and everybody's expectations accordingly. Am I getting that right? And am I missing anything? Yeah, I think that sums it up very nicely, at least in terms of what I shared today at B2BMX, that you know, those the two axes in the overlay I talked about, insights sales and marketing collaboration, and customization, we at Serious Decisions think that those are the three inputs that help companies understand what are their abilities on the marketing side to, to be able to support the 
sales organization and the company at large. Those three lenses we talked about, insight, collaboration, and customization, we think that's yeah, the part of the algorithm to help make sure that sales and marketing are aligned. Fantastic. Bob, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. This has been Bob Peterson, Vice President, Principal Analyst, Account-Based Marketing at Serious Decisions, now part of Forrester. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Steve. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.